You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable and fixed blade knives and game processing kits. Now, in my bag this year, I had the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit. It comes in a very compact, handy carrying case, and one handle has the replaceable blade knife and the gutting blade. The other handle has the saw that comes with it. So, I use the saw to split the pelvis, and I use the gut hook to open up the cavity and the blade to start cutting all the stuff out, right? So uh, it makes cleaning a deer very simple, very easy, and the the knife is sharp. And uh, if you've ever had to gut a deer with a dull knife, we all know how much that sucks. So um, take a look at the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit and uh, head on over to OutdoorEdge.com and enter the discount code NATION30. That's NATION30 for 30% savings on your purchase. Well, we're getting close to the end of March now, and I've been doing a lot of scouting, but it's also been that time of year where we're starting to get some warm weather, we're getting some rain, and it's starting to feel more and more closer and closer to what turkey season should feel like. And so I'm starting to get that itch a little bit for sure, even though to this point a lot of my time and energy has been really just focused on deer hunting and scouting for the following upcoming season. But that said, I think from a podcast content standpoint, I'm going to do another deer-focused podcast today, uh, but then might try and do a couple more turkey-related episodes upcoming here. So the topic I want to tackle today in more detail is something that I think this last year, probably more so than any other, there's been a lot of content on, on YouTube or just you know various videos out there, uh, including myself, between ground hunting and hunting from a tree. And I, I think you know people have hunted deer from trees for forever, and, and mostly ground hunting has been either confined to guys hunting field edges out of ground blinds or spot and stock stuff out west but it seems like more and more you're seeing more people have success even on you know some older class animals hunting from the ground in areas that you normally wouldn't think to hunt from the ground from and so I get a lot of questions related to that and I'm sure you know guys like the hunting public do too Uh, so I want to just kind of 
go through, I guess, a basic list. You know, some of the, the key things you need to keep into consideration if you're looking to try and do some of that yourself. I'm definitely not an expert, but I've learned quite a bit since I've started implementing more and more ground hunts into my setups. And sometimes it's out of necessity, sometimes it's a targeted, you know, focused decision to hunt off the ground as opposed to a tree. So we'll go over various, you know, scenarios where one might be better than the other. But then also when you've decided to do a ground hunt, some of the things that I've found that really seem to make a difference in terms of whether or not you're going to be able to get a shot off, you get picked off or have a good setup versus a bad setup, that type of a thing. As most of you know, I've been using Onyx for several years for e-scouting and waypoint management. In the field or at home, I can browse aerials and topos, map my routes, draw lines and waypoints, color code points of interest, geotag photos of rubs, or even what a specific tree I intend on hunting looks like, so that I can find it in the dark, say for example. Furthermore, I can download maps for offline use, and of course browse public and private land boundaries. Use the code DIY for a discount on an Onyx hunt membership. So I want to say, last season... And I haven't done the actual numbers on this and counted everything up, but if I had to guess, I'd say it was probably somewhere in maybe the 40%-ish range, 35-40%, where I did a ground hunt versus actually hunting out of a tree. And it's not necessarily got so much to do with ground hunting being better or worse than hunting out of a tree. The whole point is I think there's definitely times and opportunities where one is maybe more beneficial than the other. And then there also might be opportunities where maybe ideally I'd be up in a tree, but ground hunting gives me somewhat of an opportunity to be able to make a hunt out of something where maybe I shouldn't have enough time to get up into a tree or something to that effect. Now, the obvious example of when ground hunting makes more sense than hunting out of a tree is when there's just no good trees to be able to climb up into, yet the spot is right. So that might occur in, say, like a marshy type habitat or it might occur in more of a grasslands type habitat or perhaps even an area where there's logging historically, and you need to be in an area where maybe the trees are grown up to the point where you could climb them and you could hunt out of them if you really you know, wanted to, but maybe there's not much of a benefit of getting you know, eight, 10 feet off the ground at one of those types of trees where you're gonna be shaking because the tree isn't a big enough diameter to really you know, prevent it from swaying back and forth a little bit when you lean one way or the other, and you might as well just sit off the ground and have good enough cover and high enough stem count to support that. So those are definitely the opportunities that really stand out. But there's also, I think, a couple other times where it still may make sense to try and hunt off the ground, even if you're in an area that would easily support actually hunting out of a tree. One such example would be if you're trying to, say, beat the timing on like a thermal flip, hunting in hill country, and you know that on a certain hillside, if it's, you know, south facing or north facing slope, you're going to have rising or falling thermals, just depending on if the sun is on that hillside or not. And you, you've kind of learned maybe over time when about that shift will happen and are thinking about that in context of when a deer might get up and start moving. And so let's say if you're accessing from the bottom, you know that you have throughout the course of the day, rising thermals going up that hill. But then as soon as the shade starts to hit that hillside, it starts to get later in the day, at a certain point, those thermals are going to start to flip back down. And that thermal flip might give you kind of a golden opportunity where if you have a buck bedded up high and he starts to get up at that point and work his way downhill, that might give you an opportunity where if you don't get seen on your access in, you could slip in there and be able to set up and have the wind to your advantage for just that really brief window of time. And there might not be a very big time gap between when that thermal flips 
and when that deer could get up and start moving. Or you might just not have a lot of time between when the thermal flips and it gets dark and you lose shooting light. And so obviously in a scenario where you're able to have a preset up in a tree, that could be an option too, where you just sneak in there, you know, climb up the steps and get into your setup. But if you don't have that luxury, if it's a place where you can't leave stuff overnight, then certainly from a timing perspective, you can get set up so much uh, quicker just on the ground versus having to actually climb a tree. Even if you're efficient at doing that, I mean, I can climb a tree and get ready to hunt even with camera gear on an easy tree, quote unquote, in say 10, 15 minutes, a hard tree might take much longer, but still it doesn't really compare to setting up on the ground in that type of scenario. So that might be like a very specific example of from a timing perspective where it may make sense to hunt off the ground, even if you have the opportunity otherwise to be able to set up in a tree. Another type of scenario would be still hunting. Now I have only tried still hunting a few times myself, but if you go back to some of the episodes that I recorded with Paul Putera, he does it a lot more and he's pretty successful at doing it. And he still hunts a mixture of off the ground and up in a tree but when he's hunting off the ground, he's oftentimes doing it in a method or a manner that makes sense and allows him to cover ground scout, but also be in a position to actually shoot a deer and see it before it sees him. If that deer's up and moving around. So from that type of perspective, yeah, you might be able to go through the woods, even having your climbing gear and everything ready to go in case you do want to get up in a tree. But for all the time that you're still on the ground, you're of course still, you know, technically hunting at that point. That's pretty much what we were doing more or less when I shot my buck last year and kind of what we were doing that morning when my wife almost had an opportunity at shooting her first buck. Uh, her scenario was a little bit different in that we were on the ground still accessing to get to the area where we were going to get up in a tree. And it just so happened that timing wise, we got there about right at the exact same time that a buck started to come through. And so we almost got a shot off the ground. But after that happened, we went up and climbed a tree and sat there for, you know, several hours. But later in the day, it was more like we were just kind of, you know, cruising around, doing some scouting, checking for sign. There was a lot of wind noise, uh, meaning a lot of just kind of sound cover and able to get away with the, a little bit more movement and a little bit more, you know, leaf shuffling and that type of a thing. So from that perspective, we were just kind of, we'd scout a little bit. And if the spot seemed like it was pretty good, we'd sit there for a while and then move a little bit more and then find a spot to set up on the ground and sit there a little bit more. And for a while there, we still had, and we're carrying our climbing stuff with us. Uh, but at a certain point when we got to say mid afternoon, it's like, okay, we're going to come back to this point after we make our big loop. So we'll just leave our, you know, sticks and platforms and stuff right here. I think we even left our packs too, and just basically covered some ground carrying our bows and the camera. And then of course we ended up finding a spot to sit and, we're able to capitalize on that. But that's another scenario where if you don't quite have a pinpoint location, that makes sense. And, you know, looking back at that scenario, there are trees that would have worked and probably would have been better from a scent perspective. So that's one of our, you know, challenges is in that type of scenario, that exact spot, if we were to replicate that, which tree would we pick, how would we climb it, et cetera. That's a scenario where I think in the future, even though we were able to capitalize on the past, it would be better suited for actually setting up in a tree if we weren't still hunting it and if we were going in for a very specific sit and trying to capitalize on that scrape that we were sitting over. And then another scenario where I think setting up on the ground as opposed to 
in a tree makes a lot more sense is in like, you know, spot and stalk type of scenarios. And that's something that I really haven't done a whole bunch of myself. But if you're watching a lot of YouTube, you're watching DVDs and you're more than likely familiar with, you know, both the hunting public and whitetail adrenaline. And just by watching them and kind of absorbing and thinking about what they're doing and why they're doing it and what type of habitat they're doing it in. Certainly in those type of scenarios, it makes a lot more sense if you're trying to in that more open habitat, locate a specific deer and then go after it. Uh, spot and stalk is certainly a pretty viable option. And a lot of those scenarios too, climbing a tree doesn't necessarily give you a huge advantage. That said, uh, if you listen to one of the latest Wired to Hunt podcasts that Andy may help facilitate with Jared Scheffler and Eddie Claypool, there's some scenarios in there where even in that more Western Kansas, you know, rolling hills, grassy type of habitat, setting up at a tree can, you know, make sense in those type of scenarios too. So definitely worth checking that out, listening to that episode. It's a lot of good info uh, if you have the time. But I would say that in general, you can probably make ground hunting work in most any type of habitat. It really comes down to more of a micro scale and seeing what you can and can't get away with. Looking at the maturity of the timber, uh, the stem count of the area, is there a lot of brush, some more mature hardwoods, and focusing more on like specific spots to be able to see from a cover perspective, is this going to work or do I need to get some height? Uh, because certainly the way that a deer's eye and their vision is set up, it makes it very tough to get away with movement on the ground. There's a study from, I believe it's the university of Georgia. Um, don't quote me on that, but if you go into Google or YouTube and, and search, you know, deer vision, you're eventually going to come up with these results for these studies that were done that they basically explain how a deer's eye works. And most people know that they have dichromatic vision, so they don't see in full color like we do. Uh, but they also don't see the same level of detail that we do. And moreover, they don't have round pupils like we do. Their pupils are more of like a horizontal slit. And so what that means is that the way that they perceive vision is they have just kind of a horizontal band and throughout that entire horizontal band, which obviously if they're facing straight ahead, that's a ground level, you know, they can see probably from a better way to explain this is their peripheral vision. They're able to catch movement more easily than we would be able to. And they're able to see it for a wider angle than we are able to. So whereas humans, we're better at focusing on one specific spot and being able to pick out a good amount of detail on that specific spot, a deer might not be able to focus quite like that, but they're able to capture a large amount of detail and especially movement around a much wider swath of ground at any one given time that we're able to. And so obviously from them being a prey animal, that makes a lot of sense. But what it also means is that from a ground hunting perspective, you better have your ducks in a row in terms of your setup and knowing when to move and when not to move because it's way easier to get busted on the ground otherwise than it is up in a tree. And so with all that in mind, I'll just kind of go over, I guess, from a macro level and a micro level, what a good ground hunt seems to be in terms of setup, if you're just going to be doing an ambush type of set. So not talking spot and stock, uh, not necessarily talking still hunting, although I think it kind of applies if you're going to sit down for a while, but basically what to look for and how to set up if you're going to be doing an ambush style sit on the ground. And I think a really important thing is back cover regardless and front cover is a, a nice to have, but there's also some dangers with front cover. And then knowing where the sun is going to be coming from and knowing what the wind and thermals are doing are all pretty important things on a macro level. So thermals, wind, 
you know, of course, I don't need to to talk too much in detail about those just because they're already, you know, pretty commonly thought of and they're pretty commonly discussed in context with actually hunting from trees. And so a lot of the same type of things will carry over to ground hunting. You just got to be aware of if those thermals and if the wind is doing something differently on the ground that it would be doing up in a tree. And so for me, that just means it's important to carry milkweed like usual and just throw it out and see if indeed the wind is doing something differently than you would presume. And, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier in terms of like thermal flips and even using that to your advantage on a sit, then that's obviously pretty important. But even if you're going to be doing say like an all day sit during the rut and doing that type of a setup, then you still got to be aware of if this Creek is causing something a little bit different, or if you got a little bit uh, of a thermal pull down, say like a 15 foot Ridge, that just kind of sucks your air a certain direction when you do have a, a lapse in that main wind direction that might be going, you know, 90 or 180 degrees, the opposite way. And you might get that push and pull type of an effect. Those are all things that can play a big role here. And you don't have a lot of, I guess, wiggle room on the ground. Whereas if you're up in a tree, even if you have the wind going the wrong direction, sometimes you can climb high enough that it goes over the top of a deer that would be in range, but on the ground, you're a little bit more, it's a little bit less forgiving on that, uh, terms of the setup. So you got to be pretty spot on in terms of knowing what the wind is going to do and where your scent is going to carry. And from a lighting perspective, certainly turkey hunters are probably going to be familiar with this, but whenever you're able to be in the shade, I think that gives you a huge advantage from a visual perspective. And that could be something as simple as when you're sitting there and evaluating a spot for a ground set during like a spring scouting mission, you're thinking, okay, is this going to be ideally a morning sit or an evening sit? And if it is going to be, you know, say like an evening sit, that means the sun is going to be setting in this direction. Does that mean the sun's going to be in my face? That's not good. Or is the sun going to be, you know, off to the side or behind me? That's going to be preferable because that puts you then in the shade behind whatever your back cover is. And it also means that you're going to be able to pick out movement a little bit easier out in front of you with the sun reflecting off of it. So that's definitely an ideal case scenario is let's say you're, you're sitting up against great back cover. So you're kind of shaded from behind you, but then also you have great visual. And if you have any kind of over the top cover, I think that just kind of enhances that even more where if you have some overhanging limbs or branches, or if you're tucked underneath, say like some kind of a pine tree, then I, I think really the more you can be shaded, I think the more you can get away with in terms of having that optimal setup and, and really feeling like your cover is doing an effective job at concealing your movement. When I've been turkey hunting, this is kind of where I really try to, to learn to, to hone the skill as much as possible in terms of picking the right types of setups, because running and gunning for turkeys, you don't have the luxury of going in there like the season before and saying, this is going to be a good tree. This is going to be a good tree, etc., And trying to figure out those exact setups more often than not, it's you're covering ground out in the woods, you strike up a gobble and then it's like, okay, where do I got to set up based on like what is immediately available here? And so usually when I'm a turkey hunt, I'm looking for a tree that's large enough to be able to conceal my silhouette. And that might be easier or harder in certain areas than others. But if you're archery hunting, then just sitting in front of a tree that's wide might not be good enough because you still have all that movement that's going to have to happen for you to get to full draw. And so what I've grown to kind of like is either like a mixture of grasses or some kind of deadfall to be able to tuck into 
preferably a portion of the deadfall where you have sticks and limbs and things like that that are at least head height. And it kind of breaks up your silhouette from a vertical perspective. And if you have deadfall that's surrounding a standing tree, then that's, you know, really nice because then you have that vertical cover and you have that, you know, silhouette blocking shape of that larger tree, but then you still have a little bit of front cover and probably back cover behind that tree trunk to be able to really help hide your profile and hide a little bit of movement. The key thing there is just, of course, making sure that you're still able to get back to full draw. And on that note, one thing that I think makes a lot of sense, but it maybe is obvious, maybe not, but having a bow that you can draw back while sitting on the ground is of course going to be important. So if you're sitting on your butt, like you are turkey hunting, then a shorter axle to axle bow is going to be preferable if you're shooting a compound. Whereas if you're hunting with like a traditional bow or a longer axle to axle bow, you might have to figure out a different way to sit where, you know, maybe you're, you're doing some kind of a kneeling or, or using a stool of some type to be able to get your butt just high enough off the ground where you're still able to get adequate limb and cam clearance. But what I like about having a shorter bow and being able to sit on my butt and then lean back against like a tree trunk is that just like with turkey hunting, you're low to the ground, you're able to use a lot of that cover. You don't have a separation where all of a sudden your thighs are just kind of floating. And I think that that can definitely make a difference. And then also in terms of how you're positioning your body, that's important too. If you're covering, say, a trail or you're covering a scrape, then if I'm a left-handed shooter, I'm not going to want to try and find a perfect setup that has the activity off to my left. Because unlike a tree or a saddle setup where you can at least rotate and turn to be able to shoot to your weak side, being able to shoot to your weak side on the ground is next to impossible uh, without some kind of major blocker where the deer just cannot see you for a certain amount of time and it's quiet enough and you've kicked away the leaves and things like that enough to where making a major movement, you'd still be able to get away with. But if you're just sitting in an ambush type of spot, then ideally all that activity and that normal shot positioning is going to be absolutely to your strong side. So that all you have to do is basically just be able to raise that bow up and come to full draw and no additional movement required. That also means that ideally you'd be able to see the deer coming before it gets to that shot location. So that let's say you're set up and you have the primary source of where the deer's coming from somewhere out in front of you or kind of quartering out in front of you. So you can see that movement right away. And then that deer's going to travel past where you're sitting, but on your strong side so that you can pick an opportunity where that deer's crossing behind brush or behind, you know, trees, whatever, to be able to draw back. And then you're sitting there a full draw waiting for the deer to enter that final shooting lane. I know in cattail marsh type of scenarios where there've been people who've hunted off the ground. Sometimes what they'll do is they'll have, you know, just kind of a little trail that they walk back into to get to whatever they're going to sit on top of like a marsh stool or something like that. But then they also have another sort of matted down trail of cattails kind of out in front of them so that they can catch a little glimpse of movement when that deer's starting to come down the trail so they can get drawn back and be able to see what deer's coming down the trail. Just make sure it's actually a deer, not a person walking through that type of thing. And then by the time that deer finally hits that opening where they have a shooting lane, they're just ready to shoot at that point in time. So if I were to pick just kind of like an ideal, perfect scenario for an off the ground ambush type of hunt in normal wooded terrain, then it would look something like this. You have a setup where you have maybe like an evergreen tree. It's wide enough to be able to cover your silhouette, but there's also a deadfall or a couple deadfalls behind and in front of it to be able to give you some back and front cover to mix with that tree silhouette. 
and preferably behind you even more. There's just kind of thick cover in general, be it, you know, evergreens, high stem count, uh, more deadfall, that type of thing. So where it really breaks up that outline, you don't have any kind of sky showing through behind you. And that's both behind you as in like on the other side of the tree and also behind you in terms of the direction that your draw elbow would point because that's where you're going to be facing and where you're potentially going to be silhouetted as you come to full draw on a deer. So you have that portion of the cover there and then the, the branches of that tree you're sitting next to are giving you a little bit of shaded cover as well. You have during that time of day where you're hunting, the sun generally going to be behind you uh, or at least quartering, not in your face. And from a wind perspective, you're not going to want to have the wind blowing towards where the deer are coming from, number one, or where you're going to get your shot opportunity. But you may have to just use your best judgment in terms of actually doing the setup and maybe having a just off wind if you know for a fact that your most likely opportunity is going to come when the wind is blowing a certain direction. And that direction is going to have some kind of advantage from the deer's perspective. Then you might just have to use your best judgment there. In the case of the setup where I shot my buck last year, we didn't have any immediate back cover, but we had really strong front cover. And the challenge and the thing you can run into with front cover is that it can do a really good job of hiding your movement. It can do a really good job of hiding your silhouette, but it can also give you issues in terms of being able to get a shot off and having good shot opportunities and good shooting lanes. In the case of where we set up just kind of sitting on that fallen log and sitting behind the root ball, we had really good front cover initially, but then once the deer got past a certain point, then that front cover was gone. It was just like a one dimensional, just like a plane, as if we were almost having like a shield in front of us. And the shot opportunity is going to happen once the deer is past the edge of that shield. And then you have to be able to be ready to shoot. So really the, the purpose of that shield in that scenario just gave you enough time to be able to see that a deer was coming and to be able to prepare and get ready. Uh, and be able to draw back. And we did have not immediate back cover, like I mentioned, but it also wasn't skylighted. You know, if you were to look behind us when we were sitting on that log, there's just kind of that general mixture of trees and brush. And it, it's thick enough where if you're looking that direction, you just kind of see that sea of brownish grayish color. And you're not having actual little bits of sky poke in and out. If you're hunting up on the, like the top of a ridge, or if you're hunting on say like a, a flat area, but it's more open, then you really got to pay attention to whether or not those really bright areas are going to, you know, give away some of that movement. When you look at elk hunters and ones that are doing run and gun calling type of scenarios, the guys that are really good at it will always say with elk, at least you want the cover behind you. You want good back cover, but you don't want a lot of front cover because it's not going to be as important as you might think it would be. And it's just going to, you know, really screw you over when the moment of truth comes more often than not. But I think with whitetails, if you have a mix of front cover and back cover, that's better than if you just have back cover all in and of itself, but you still have to be really careful about when you're drawing and that front cover can help really blend and give you some three-dimensional depth in your, your, uh, cover. But as long as you have preferably some type of shade, you have, you know, good pack cover and you don't have any front cover, I would take that over say like a little bit of front cover, but then you have like your back is, you know, kind of exposed with little spots of skylight here and there. At the end of the day, movement more often than not is what's going to get you busted more than anything else. You could have a really great setup, but if you're moving at the wrong times, then you're probably still going to get picked off. Best camel, best setup, whatever. 
Whereas if you have maybe a less than optimal setup, but you are really careful and you, you just, you know, when to move and when not to move, and you're just trying to deal with one deer, not several deer, then that probably trumps having a great setup. Obviously, if you can do both, that's what the goal is. And I guess for me, on the movement side of things, one thing that definitely helps is being really comfortable. Because if I'm not comfortable, then I'm fidgeting around on the ground, and I can only sit there so long before you know I start getting a little numb, uh, need to fidget or move around. And then you know that movement, if it happens at the wrong time, can certainly give you away, just like that movement can give you away up in a tree stand, standing up or sitting down at the wrong time, just like with a saddle. If you move at the wrong time because you're uncomfortable, then that can be what ends up giving you away. And so from a comfort perspective on the ground, certainly you can get away with just sitting on like a ground pad. Uh, but like I mentioned, I really like having the thing to lean against. So if I'm leaning back against a tree, that makes a big advantage. Uh, but a lot of times I also find myself in scenarios where maybe I just have horizontal cover and, and maybe it's just deadfall and the branches are more horizontal and there's really nothing to actually lean back against. And it provides, you know, good support for my entire back. Maybe it's just something I can lean my shoulders against, but then there's no lumbar support. And I think that's where having something else that gives you that more vertical support as an option, if you're going to be doing a lot of these ground uh, type of hunts and you're not maybe hundred percent sure on the fly, how you're going to be able to set up. And if you're going to have that good vertical support would be to have something like either a crazy Creek chair or a Turkey vest that has built in supports. Like there's a couple, like there's an Alps pack that has a kickstand that you can flip back and then be able to lean back against that uh, support. I think Tenzing also has a Turkey vest. That's like that. Primo's had the rocker Turkey vest. I had that vest for a while and it was pretty comfortable in terms of being able to lean back. It was a little bit awkward to be able to deploy the seat because the seat basically nested up in between the rest of the pack and your back. So you had to almost take the, the Turkey vest halfway off to be able to deploy the seat. Uh, and it would be a similar type of thing with like a crazy Creek type of a chair. They're actually very similar in design. The thing I didn't like about that Primo's rocker vest uh, was just the quality was not the greatest. And after like a season and a half, two seasons, the supports, the you know rigid framing was starting to poke out and I'd have to start sewing stuff back together and putting patches on things. It just didn't hold together very well. But from a conceptual standpoint, it was very nice. Uh, and when it would work well, and after I'd make, you know, modifications to kind of fix it back up again, it was a very comfortable setup. Something else that fits the bill really well would be like the JX3 hybrid. When that thing is set up in ground seat mode, it gives you a little bit of support where you're like two inches off the ground on top of that mesh seat. And you also have the built-in back support to be able to lean back into. And that combination is extremely comfortable. It, it's more heavy than the turkey vest options would be, but you also have some additional capability in terms of being able to like pack out meat or something like that. So that's definitely an option. It's a good option, more expensive also than the turkey seat. But if you're trying to dual purpose, then it's definitely something to look into. Whereas if you're more on the minimalist side of things and you're like, well, I'm just going to use it for this one scenario on the ground, or if I'm turkey hunting, say, for example, then maybe a turkey vest might be uh, the better option. It just comes down to, I guess, personal preference and what you're willing to spend. A lot of times what I did last year was I would either sit flat on the ground, or I would sit basically on the, my predator platform. I'd set that up, you know, a couple inches off the ground, as low as I could basically put it and still be able to sit on it. And either one of those worked pretty well. 
Uh, again, sometimes just the way that the tree was shaped, I wasn't able to get, say, like the Predator platform quite as low as I'd want to get it to the ground. Because ideally, I'd want to have the thing like an inch off the ground. But in some scenarios, the lowest I was able to really get it with the leveling because of the flare out at the roots might be like four, five, six inches off the ground. And again, then your your thighs are kind of floating out from the tree at that point in time. And in those scenarios also, you need to have, of course, a vertical tree trunk to be able to put the platform onto something that was big enough to where the canopy wouldn't shake if you fidgeted around a little bit or tried to shift your body weight. But a lot of times I would end up sitting, if I didn't have that set of scenarios, just flat on the ground. And I have a, a ground seat that works. It's an inflatable ground seat by Climate, which is a camping company. And I'm able to just inflate that in a couple seconds and it makes it much more comfortable to actually sit on the ground than just not having any kind of pad at all. So between those two, I would have pretty good options, but I think going into it, if I know that I'm going to be ground hunting and it's not just going to be like a, a run and gun, you know, totally mobile hunting type of set where I'm not sure where I'm going to be, you know, set up when I actually start the day, then that might be a scenario where I go back and say, okay, I'm, taking from the truck, either, you know, one of those turkey hunting seats or like the, the hybrid setup in ground hunting mode so that I can really have the maximal amount of comfort sitting on the ground to where I don't have to move, don't have to fidget at all. And I apply it with the same type of, you know, conceptual things that we talked about earlier in terms of the sunlight, the wind, the thermals, the back cover, the front cover, the overhead cover, if you have it, and then just, you know, wearing good camouflage, covering up my face and moving at the right times. Those are kind of the key, you know, parameters that moving forward, I'm going to make sure that there are always things that I'm thinking about when doing a ground hunt type of a setup. And again, it's not like I think ground hunting is better or worse than hunting from a tree. It's just really scenario and situation dependent. And I'll hunt from the ground if I think that's going to be best for a, a given scenario. And I'll hunt from a tree if I think that that's going to be the better scenario for any given point in time. So I hope that was informational. Hope it helped answer some questions. You know, like I said, I'm not an expert, but I'm certainly learning the hard way on a lot of these things, what works and what doesn't. So I'd like to hear, you know, any feedback or comments from people who have been hunting from the ground for a long time. Would love to learn some of the tips and tricks that you've come up with. And if you have any other questions, then I'll go ahead and do my best to try and answer them. That'll do it for this episode. As always, make sure to follow the Sportsman's Nation on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Leave us a review on iTunes. And if you're looking for additional content, subscribe to DIY Sportsman. And with that, thanks for listening.